Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, I uh, hope everybody is having a, a good weekend. We're going to continue our series, uh, Jesus' Parables. Um, been having a lot of fun going through this. Uh, throughout this series, what we've been doing is looking at some of the little stories that Jesus would tell in the New Testament uh, to illustrate these profound truths to his audience. Um, and so if you're just now joining us for the series, whether in person here or online, uh, we're actually getting to, I believe, like week uh, six of this series. So you're catching us kind of towards the end of this uh, sermon series. So I encourage you, if you missed any, you can go online to our website, uh, rittmangrace.org, and you can get all uh, caught up. But just to recap us uh, a little bit here, kind of what we've discussed so far is this. Uh, week one, we looked at the parable of the sower. And then after that, we looked at the parable of the wise and foolish builder. Uh, Then we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Then the parable of the persistent widow. And then last week, if you recall, we looked at the parable of the two debtors. Uh, We're going to continue, and we're going to look at another parable. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the parable of the hidden treasure. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be mainly camping out this morning. And as you're going there, uh, just to give you uh, a little window into my life, I like to share a little bit about myself sometimes on the front end of the message. Um, When I was about 14 years old, I became obsessed with music. Uh, I got really, really into music. I remember, like it was yesterday, my cousin Alex came over to my house and he had this uh, beautiful white uh, electric guitar with this uh, blue pick guard. And uh, that might not mean much to you, but if you play guitar, you might know what that means. Uh, he came over with this thing, and I just uh, was like, man, like, can I play it? I don't know how to play it, but uh, he showed me how to play a song. It took a while, but I learned how to play uh, part of a song on one string, and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Um, and that is kind of what spurred my obsession for music and wanting to play in a band. So in high school, I uh, didn't really do a lot of sports. Uh, all my time was basically devoted to playing guitar. I remember my dad was like, if you're not going to play sports, then you really, really need to take this seriously. So I took lessons, and all my time was pretty much devoted to that. Uh, and me and my high school buddies, we basically just went all out with the whole band thing. Uh, we decided that we were going to rehearse for hours, and uh, we did this in my dad's basement, which probably drove him crazy. Uh, but we played uh, local shows, and we recorded a few albums, which were terrible, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I was in a screaming band, so, so I'm sure you would all love that. And so I, I say all that because uh, when you love something, you'll spend time on it. When you love something, you're going to spend time on it. Uh, if you're a soccer player, uh, you'll devote hours to getting better at your ball control. Right? Or if you're a guitar player, you're going to devote hours to practicing and learning different scales on the guitar. If you're a hunter, if you're into guns and stuff, then you're going to spend lots of time improving your marksmanship. Uh, if you're a home design kind of person, you're going to watch all the seasons of Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? You're going to buy all the Magnolia magazines. And that's oddly specific for a reason, because my wife loves Magnolia. So. 
So we have all these things that we love to do. We have these things we spend time and energy focusing on, and we become obsessed with these things. And the reason I tell you that is because I think there's an important principle that I want to highlight uh, this morning, and the principle is this, that you will sacrifice uh, greatly for what you love deeply. Let me say that again. You will sacrifice greatly for what you love deeply. So, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, uh, my hope is that if somebody watched your life, that they would see that uh, the things that you do, the things that you say, the things that um, happen in your life, that there's kind of like a driving force behind that, behind your actions. They would see that you prioritize God's kingdom in your life above everything else. So what am I talking about? Where am I getting that from? Well, Matthew 13, that's where we're going to be looking at uh, this parable of the hidden treasure here this morning. So we're going to read this. We're going to make a few observations along the way. And so hopefully we're there by now. Let's look at this together and talk about it. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. So it's a pretty straightforward parable. uh, But at the same time, uh, there's actually a lot that we could say about this parable. Uh, The first guy, he's digging in a field, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, there's treasure. And then the second guy, uh, the merchant, he's deliberately looking for something. So let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, Let's just go one at a time. The first part, uh, the Bible says, I want you to notice, it says that he found this treasure. It says that a man found it. So you go, really? That seems very unlikely. But in Bible times, it really wasn't. they didn't have banks back then. They didn't have like a, a first merit to go to, right? Uh, there was bankers, but there was no banks. And so because of that, people would hide their wealth. That's what people did in the first century. Uh, Palestine, they'd hide their wealth in case of an army of raiders would come looting. And so Palestine, uh, just like today, it's a pretty, you know, it's the most fought over part of the world. And so Uh, At this time, you wouldn't hide your wealth in your home. You would bury it somewhere, and uh, you hoped that you would survive the raid of marauders. And so hopefully you survived, but uh, most of the time you didn't. But it wasn't uncommon to find treasure during this time. Next, the Bible's going to tell us that he went and he sold all that he had, and he bought the field. He just sold everything so that he could have this field. Now, I know Jesus is telling this story to his audience, but uh, can you imagine what the people in that guy's town like thought of this guy spending every single penny uh, on this field? They probably would have thought that he was crazy to do that. I mean, to spend, gather up every single uh, penny to your name to, to buy this field, maybe they thought, what is so special about that field, right? It's just an ordinary-looking field. But I just imagine this guy is smiling because he knows something that the rest of the world doesn't know. And that's beneath the soil, that beneath this, the ordinariness, there's actually something of incredible value hidden beneath the soil. And so I think the point Jesus is getting at is that spiritual treasure is 
hidden under a field of ordinariness, and you'll never find it unless you penetrate beneath the soil. And the world that we live in, the world, they, they don't want to do that. And, and if we're not careful, we could have the same mindset. You see, the world only looks at the surface. Uh, the world is completely wedded to this idea of assessing value on the basis of externals. Right? We always hear that, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, we see that happen quite a bit, unfortunately. Uh, for example, um, the world would say, you have good value if you're articulate, if you have confidence, if you have smarts, if you have money, if you have status, if you have connections with the right people. I mean, that's how the, the world kind of judges. It's all on the basis of externals. You see, Jesus Christ kind of turns that idea on its head. In this passage, we see Jesus refuses to play that game. He says, if, if you're going to find spiritual treasure, then you're going to have to get over the externals altogether. Because spiritual treasure is hidden under ordinary people, and we see that spiritual treasure is also hidden in an ordinary message. So spiritual treasure is hidden under ordinary people. Uh, the reality is uh, God, we see this in the Bible, God has a tendency simply because he's trying to shatter the world's superficial standards. God has a tendency to work with people who the world considers losers by external standards. We see this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So you go, what does that mean? What is, what is Paul trying to say? Well, it means that because the world's superficial and external ways of judging value are so utterly wrong, God is going to, he has the tendency to choose people and to work with people who are really on the surface, really not that special. And so spiritual treasure, it's hidden under ordinary people, but spiritual treasure is also hidden in an ordinary message. Think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a very simple message. In fact, a lot of intellectuals will scoff at that message. I mean, I don't know if you've heard people in your life that don't know Jesus, but they are like, that message is ridiculous. That is a very simple message. Are you serious? By the way, one of the reasons everyone would find themselves laughing at the guy who bought the field is because nobody really believes that treasure can be that accessible. They're thinking, I've walked by that field every single day. Right? I've walked through it on the way to work, but they have no idea that this beneath the surface is billions of dollars. And the reason that is is because we think treasures are buried in remote mountains far away. They're never just buried right here, right? It's I'm never walking on top of treasure. Now having said that, think of the gospel again. Think about the message of the gospel. Listen to it. Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins. So if you believe in him, God accepts you by grace. You listen to that message and you think that's it, <laughs> right? We're tempted to think that's the secret to life. That's the secret to the universe. And we think, come on, like, give me a book on like the nine levels of spiritual consciousness, right? That I can strive for, that I can work my way up to God, right? We think that's it. That can't be it. That's too simple. 
Well, if you're here or if you're watching online and you're not sure you're a Christian or you're not sure about Christianity, uh, one of the things that you're really going to have to get over is the simplicity and the ordinariness of the gospel. And you've probably heard that before. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. If you believe in him, then God will accept you and forgive you out of grace. Like how many times have we heard that message, right? But it's just like an old field that we can, we can just walk right by it. And I can just tell you for many years, I walked right by the gospel. I walked right over it every single day for a really long time. I heard it like most Christians. Like I believe the gospel, sure. But let's get into some of the deep stuff now, right? I understand the gospel. Let's move on to something deeper, right? Like how do I really change, right? How, I know the gospel is how I get to heaven, but I know that's how you get saved. But let's get on to something deeper, right? I want something deeper. And, and see, I was just walking right by. I wasn't looking underneath. You see, the key, uh, Rob read it earlier, but the key that unlocks further understanding to this, I believe, is in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we see Peter, the apostle, is writing to a scattered church, and he says this, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now here it is, ready? Even angels long to look into these things. Now just think about that for a second. The gospel. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The gospel into which angels long to look. I mean, think about the angels for a second. The angels have lived years and years and centuries and centuries. You think about the intellect of the angels. Think about the wisdom and how they're continually longing to meditate and look into the gospel. They just keep digging in and digging in and digging in, and they never get by. They never get tired of the gospel. They never fail to see new beauties in the gospel. They never fail to find new amazing things in it. Right, so what does that mean for us then? Well, if the angels can't get past the gospel, and if they just find that this is the treasure, that the gospel is the treasure, then maybe the angels know something that we don't. Right? And the reality is they do know something that we don't. Let me put it to you another way. Uh, when you hear Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that, you know, so God can accept you by grace if you believe in him, do you realize that that is actually the answer to all of your problems? That is actually the answer to every problem. It's the solution to every one of our problems, and it's the solution to every one of the world's problems. But if you're hearing that and you think, and as a response, man, that seems a little bit overblown, then you haven't dug in, and you're walking right over the field. You see, the reality is Jesus willingly became ordinary on our behalf. Think about ordinary. Jesus Christ, uh, he came as the most ordinary of people. Everything about Jesus Christ completely resists the world's obsession with surfaces, with externals, with image, with glitter, with looks. And we see this because Jesus Christ, we know, was unattractive. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, no beauty that we should desire him. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was poor. When they made the offering at his circumcision, his parents just offered two pigeons. 
and only the poorest of people made that offering. Jesus Christ, as we know, died on the cross. It's the execution of a common criminal. The reality is Jesus was utterly ordinary. And so the bottom line is you need to penetrate the field of ordinariness or you're never going to find spiritual treasure. Spiritual treasure is always hidden under a field of ordinariness. So that's the parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus is going to continue on now and he's going to say, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So notice uh, the Bible tells us that he was looking. He was looking for fine pearls. While the man who found the treasure discovered the kingdom's worth by accident, we see that the pearl merchant was searching for something of value. Does that sound familiar? Because I think it sounds really familiar. The bottom line is that Jesus is trying to tell us that every human being is on a quest, uh, that every choice a person makes is somehow guided by his or her search for ultimate fulfillment. So before God breaks in our life, before the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, we just have no idea what it is we're searching for. I mean, how many people do you know or how many, you know, can you identify with that? Man, I've been searching for something in life. I don't know what it is, but there's this hole that I'm trying to fill. Usually, we're searching for deceitful worldly means. I'll give you a couple examples. For some of us, we think wealth. If I could just make enough money, right, I'm going to find fulfillment in that. Or pleasure. If, if I drink this or if I take these pills, that's going to make me feel better. That's going to give me ultimate fulfillment in my life. With power, we think, well, if I was just in charge, that would bring me ultimate fulfillment. And with fame, you know, well, if I just had as many Facebook followers as that person, right, I would really be somebody. And you know this, and I know this. We don't find fulfillment in any of those places. But when by God's gracious guidance, we find the kingdom, we realize that is actually what we've been searching for all along. And Jesus' point is this. The pearl merchant recognized instantly the value of the one pearl because he had measured the value of so many lesser pearls throughout his life. And so he, just like the treasurer, or the treasure finder, he just went and sold everything he owned in order to possess the pearl. I know I reference this um, a lot, but Philippians 3, I just think of Paul when he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul is talking about all the things that he thought that he would find fulfillment in. And then he looks and says, you know, knowing Christ, that's where fulfillment is really found in knowing Jesus. And so you, you will sacrifice greatly for what you love deeply. We see this in the parable of the hidden treasure. We see this in the merchant looking for the pearl. And we see this in our own lives, right? Hopefully we see this in our lives as followers of Christ that, that, that God's kingdom is something that we want to sacrifice greatly for because we love it deeply. Now, on a practical level, what might this look like for us, though? 
I think if we're going to be people who love God and people who love his kingdom, then that has to result in a sacrifice. And I, I think that sounds kind of weird, but let me explain what I mean by that. True love looks like sacrifice, right? True love looks like inconvenience. We see this in our marriages, and we see this in parenting. I'm learning this as a new dad. So the question is, how are you sacrificing for God? How are you sacrificing for God? Uh, practically speaking, how does your schedule need to change to reflect God's kingdom? For some of you, it means getting, getting up 15 minutes earlier and talking to God. For some of you, it means turning off your iPad 15 minutes before bedtime, talking to God. Uh, for some of you, it means I'm going to invest my time, my talent, and my treasures into God's kingdom. For some of us, it might be, you know, if I'm invested into God's kingdom, that means I'm going to give up my free time in order to further a relationship with a lost friend, family member, or coworker. If I'm invested into God's kingdom, it might look like me being more strategic in who and my spouse go on a double date with because we're trying to further a relationship with people who don't know the gospel. If I'm invested into God's kingdom, then that might be me being very intentional about getting into God's word with my kids and praying with them. If I'm invested into God's kingdom, then maybe that means at my kids' sporting events or whatever events, I'm trying to build relationships with the other parents who might not know the gospel. It means that in my workplace, that it's going to trickle down in there as well. I'm going to be the same person on Monday that I am on Sunday. I'm going to treat my coworkers, my employer, my employees, right, the same way as my church buddies. I'm going to be modeling Christ-likeness to them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So modeling Christ-likeness, right, there's no timeouts in God's kingdom, right? We're always on mission. So the question again, am I sacrificing or am I inconveniencing myself in any way so that the kingdom of God can take hold and take shape and grow in my life and in my heart? Because when we choose to follow Christ and build his kingdom, the Bible says that we're going to be dying to ourselves. In other words, it's saying, Lord, here's the steering wheel. You control my life. You run my life. I'm on mission for you. And so the question is, what needs to change in my life so that I can say that? Because the kingdom of God is worth everything. And so tragically, I think what can happen is we can look at our lives, and it doesn't take very long. I know it doesn't for me to see, like, man, we're not, we're not living this out to its fullest potential. And so I don't want us to leave here this morning feeling all beat up. But if we really see the kingdom of God as the most valuable thing in our lives, uh, then that has to change us from the inside out. So you will sacrifice greatly for what you love deeply. We said last week as well, preach the gospel to yourself every day. I think that applies to this too. The reason is because the reason why we may not be willing to sacrifice or inconvenient ourselves is largely due to the fact that we're just so quick to forget what God has done for us. Again, in 1 Peter, getting into 1 Peter a lot today, I guess. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In other words, God sacrificed everything for us. He went all out. He pulled out all the stops. 
And God is up to something now. He's inviting us to co-labor alongside of him to be a part of the greatest mission on the planet. And so as followers of Christ, you know, I can guarantee you that we're not going to be looking back at the end of our lives and go, man, I wish I would have watched more TV. Man, I wish I would have played more Angry Birds. wish I would have played more video games, for those of us that don't know what Angry Birds is. Man, I wish I would have watched more YouTube videos. But, you know, we might be saying to ourselves, man, I wish I would have invested into more into God's kingdom. I wish I would have volunteered to be a part of that ministry, right? Man, I wish I would have served more. I wish I would have invested more relationally, spiritually, right, financially, whatever, into the kingdom of God. So I want to invite the band to come up and kind of get settled in. And as they're, as they're doing that, I just want you to imagine again what this principle might look like in your life for God's kingdom, right? You will sacrifice greatly for what you love deeply. Is it the kingdom of God? Do we realize the implications that this ought to have, right? Are we going all out for God's kingdom? Are we willing to give God a blank check with our lives, so to say, and say, God, I want you to spend my life however you see fit because I want to invest into God's kingdom. Please join me as we close in a word of prayer. Jesus, we recognize that you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. Lord, forgive us for not seeing your kingdom as the most valuable treasure of our lives. Thank you for going to the cross, for redeeming us from our empty way of life with your precious blood. God, help us to go all out for your kingdom, to invest into it, to deny ourselves, to forego our own little kingdom, because your kingdom is the most valuable. Your kingdom will echo into eternity, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.